Hello and welcome to Sexuality Studies Spotlight, a podcast where we highlight what you can do with your sexuality studies degree. My name is Helen Martin and I'm a fourth year sexuality studies student. I'm recording from Tikaranto, an area that has been cared for by the Anishinaabeg Nation, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Huron-Wendat. It is now home to many First Nation, Inuit, and Metis communities, and we want to acknowledge the current treaty holders, the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. This territory is also part of the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement to peacefully share and care for the Great Lakes region. Our guest today is Lovepreet Kaur, who is joining us from Ludhiana in Punjab, India. Lovepreet is a visiting scholar at York University's School of Gender, Sexuality, and Women's Studies and the Center for Feminist Research. She's an assistant professor of law at Rajiv Gandhi National University of Law. She has a bachelor's of law degree from Punjab University, as well as a master's in law with criminal law specialization from Rajiv Gandhi National University of Law. She taught the university and was the university gold medalist with four gold medals. She is currently a PhD candidate and doing a doctoral degree in law on the topic of law, gender, and sexuality studies. It's titled Protection of Rights of LGBT, a Comparative Study of India and Canada. Issues related to human rights are close to her heart, and she does what it takes to protect and promote them. Her research examines and explores the subtle dimensions of violence, oppression, and discrimination that have been experienced and faced by the LGBT community. Her areas of interest and expertise include law, human rights, queer studies, LGBT rights, government initiatives, humanitarianism, gender and sexuality, equality, securitization, and governmentality. Welcome, love, Preet. How would you like to introduce yourself today? Is there anything you'd like to add? Hello, Helen. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me here on the podcast. And really, thank you for uh, that great introduction. It's perfect. And I'll just add one more thing in the introduction. Like, my preferred pronouns are she and her. So, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. And I'm honored to be invited as a guest on this podcast. Great. Well, we're happy to have you, and thank you for mentioning your pronouns. My pronouns are also she and her. So what can you tell us about your relationship to York and the York Sexualities and Gender Studies program? Okay. So as you have mentioned in the introduction, I'm a visiting scholar in sexuality studies at School of Gender, Sexuality, and Women's Studies, Center for Feminist Research at York. I have joined this center because my research is focused on gender and sexuality studies, for a very long time now. Since my master's degree in law, I have done my master's dissertation on rape laws in India and the Criminal Law Amendment Act 2018. And while I was researching on this topic, I found that if such a heinous offense like rape, if it is committed against a woman, then the punishment would be imprisonment for a period of 10 years or it could be a life imprisonment or even a death penalty is awarded as a punishment. The law will depend upon the gravity of the offense being committed and numerous other factors. But if such an offense being committed against a person belonging to LGBT community, then the Transgender Act 2019 provides for the punishment of merely two years in prison plus a fine, which to me, it appears to be insufficient because if we talk about more heinous offense such as sexual abuse, rape, criminal abuse or sexual harassment is there. And if I compare with the same offense being committed against a woman, law provides more punishment and law also accorded 
more protection to women, which I believe is totally wrong because a crime is a crime irrespective of the fact that against which gender it is committed. Another important thing that that has influenced me to work specifically on the rights of LGBT community is the 2018 landmark judicial decision that decriminalized consensual homosexual conduct in India. It's the judgment of Navdi Singh Johar versus Union of India. There is no doubt about the fact that court's ruling indicating that it has supported the LGBTQ community and had a positive influence on the discourses about sexuality in public settings. The legal principle that a queer person has a right to equal protection under the law without state's discrimination, it has also paved the way for some sort of future legal challenges to other discriminatory policies. So another, like, I think that the biggest improvement that has been the open discussion about sexuality and queerness in public without fear of retaliation from the authorities. However, I think that there is still much work to be done and there is still a long way to go. I'm really very glad that I got the opportunity to be associated as a visiting scholar with CFR at York. And I've also got the opportunity to discuss my research work with Professor David Murray and Professor Amar Wahab and the students of fourth year undergraduate course in the sexuality studies program. The students, uh, if uh, I recall, they are of advanced seminar in sexuality studies. And uh, I deliver a guest lecture to them and discuss my research work with them. And they've all found it really very interesting and they wanted to know more about the historical background and the rights of LGBT in India. That includes the pre-colonial, colonial, and the post-colonial period, and uh, what are their position at present. And moreover, I really enjoyed it discussing with them. And as a part of CFR, I get to know about the research work of other feminist research scholars, and I've also shared my research work with them. And all in all, it's really been very great. I love to hear that. Now, for anyone who might not know, do you mind explaining what a visiting scholar is? As a visiting scholar, we get the opportunity to be a part of Center for Feminist Research, be the part of activities that Center undertake. And the important thing that I'd like to mention here, when you are a visiting scholar, it demands that you have to work on a project that you are undertaking that, and uh, you can take the help of the faculty of sexuality studies that if you'd like to improvise something in your project or if, if you want to take part in some sort of seminar, workshop, just to gain a perspective of the what other people, they are thinking of your work. And this is, uh, and it, it kind of give you an exposure and uh, get to know about what other people did like they're thinking about your work. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to uh, start this work, to start this research? Yeah. Actually, while uh, I started my doctoral degree, and the topic itself suggests that it is the comparative study of India and Canada, and particularly what I wanted to know that what rights do the LGBT community in Canada they are entitled to? And are they getting all these rights? 
or these rights are just in paper and are not in practice. So I started Googling online that where can I found some space, where can I found a particular space, where can I, I can do the research on sexuality studies, then I came across CFR. So I've applied there and I got this opportunity and so far it's going great. I get too much exposure and I get to discuss my research work with other scholars and I get their insights, what do they think that is it going good or I should add something and I get their opinion and it's really good. Right. Yeah. Has there been any sort of favorite parts or highlights of your work or research so far? As I've stated that my doctoral research, it focuses on the areas of gender, sexuality and law in which I have discussed the evolution of rights of LGBT in India and Canada the social, legal, and the judicial approach towards rights of LGBT in India and Canada, and then I did a comparative study of both the countries. As I've mentioned that gender and sexuality are the core aspects of humankind. It's the matter of existence, and every society has its own values regarding what is appropriate and what is inappropriate sexuality and gender. Previously, most of the society condemned homosexual, bisexual, and transgender individuals and considered them as against morals or people suffering from some mental or physical disorder. Yeah, many societies have also imposed sanction on such people who involved in homosexual conduct. In India, homosexuality is not totally a part of Western culture, but its existence can be seen in ancient Indian history, the pre-colonial, colonial, and the post-colonial period. And it's not a new concept. But until recently, it is seen that to express their sexuality, homosexual, they do not have cultural and social platforms. Talking about the Transgender Person Protection of Rights Act, there are many things that still left unaddressed in this act. There is no comprehensive anti-discrimination law in India. And even though the constitution forbids it, the government and its agencies are the only one who must abide by its prohibition. Thus, the discrimination in the private sector, it I believe is permissible in variety of contexts, in including the employment, housing, health, or even education. Even while the need for such a law is being debated, there doesn't seem to be any political decision on its adoption. Even the court have not yet realized how seriously this issue is and it's affecting the queer community's livelihood. And in my research, I have analyzed the efforts being made by the Indian and the Canadian government, international organization, and international instruments for the protection of rights and reduction of discrimination against LGBT community. The issues and challenges being faced by them in the society before decriminalization to explore the different types of identities being associated with the LGBT community and the psychological problems related to their sexuality and gender identity. Again, the main aim of doing this study is to provide a proper redressal mechanism for the protection of LGBT community in the society 
under the Indian legislation and thereby implement such progressive initiative under Indian laws. And lastly, in my thesis, I'll also discuss about the suggestions like how to resolve all these issues prevailing in the society. Right, right. I love what you said there about you know, LGBT, maybe we have that terminology now, but this is not a new concept. People have um, had different sexualities or I should say a diversity of sexualities and sexual orientations and gender orientations for forever. And that in many ways, LGBT as that um, sort of standard acronym has become this sort of modern Western and often very white um, term, which is just so ridiculous. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So is there something, is there a specific message that you're trying to get across with your research or just something that you're trying to contribute to the general knowledge about sexuality or scholarly knowledge about sexuality? Okay. So the main aim of when I talk about, I wanted to compare both the countries, then I am talking about comparing both the countries from legislative and judicial perspective. And if I see that talking about Canada, not only was homosexuality in Canada also being considered as a crime for many years, but in India as well, I can clearly I can clearly say that both the countries during the colonial times, homosexuality was considered as an illegal act. But with the passage of time, Canada has become like fourth country in the world to have legalized same-sex marriage in 2005. And it became the first country in the world to allow gay and lesbian marriages on its territory for, from the, for the people coming from abroad. But at the same time, LGBTQ community in India were not even getting the basic human rights at par with the heterosexuals. In my research, My main aim is to provide a proper redressal mechanism for the protection of LGBT community in India by learning lessons from Canada and to set a blueprint for Indian legislation and thereby implement such progressive initiative under Indian laws. Right. Are there any goals or is there any specific work you're really looking forward to in the future? Having a master's dissertation on sexuality studies have really helped me in my PhD thesis and like it's been almost seven years since I've involved in gender and sexuality studies and as my PhD thesis it clearly focuses on a comparative study of India and Canada with regards to the rights of LGBT particularly I wanted to know the rights and benefits which LGBT people are authorized under the law to avail in Canada and to discover whether they are actually getting these rights or these rights are just mentioned in paper and they are not in practice. Then make a comparative study between India and Canada. And as I've discussed about the Transgender Person Protection of Rights Act, this act was being recently passed by the Central Government of India for the upliftment of LGBT LGBT community in the society. For the trans people, they opposed this act and called the day when this legislation was passed as a black day. And why the trans community has opposed this legislation? These are the, some, some of the questions that I'd like to address in my research. Though through regress, protest and activism, many countries today 
in the world, they have incorporated legislative provisions for LGBT community in their respective civil and family laws. But they are yet to be accepted socially and culturally by all the countries around the world. Further, I'll also try to throw light on certain issues as to the personal rights of LGBT individuals recognized in few countries only, and also about the historical evolution of rights of LGBT individuals in India and Canada. Most importantly, the right to marry of every individual, including the LGBT community, and, and the basic human right that is, that is of right to family that includes right to have or bear a child, either artificially through adoption or through surrogacy, and also about the right to inherit the family property. In my research, what I have observed is that in India, homosexuality is not a new culture. It's in existence since the ancient time, during the pre-colonial time. But what went wrong? It's only after the advent of Britishers in India, like in the colonial times, and they passed the legislation making the homosexual conduct as illegal, and it is prohibited by the law. And they have also stated that such conduct, such homosexual conduct is against the order of nature. And recently, in 2018, in the Nathasin Johar versus Union of India, the Supreme Court of India struck off this provision, struck off the provision of Section 377 that criminalizes homosexuality in India. And this provision has been struck off like almost after 150 years. On the other hand, talking about Canada, not only was homosexuality considered as a crime in Canada for many years, in 1859, if someone convicted of a homosexual act, then they call it this act as bagri. That person could be sentenced to death. Until 1969, homosexuality was illegal in Canada. But with the passing of C-150 bill in 1969, homosexuality was finally decriminalized. Another important thing that is in 2005, the Federal Civil Marriage Act that legalized same-sex marriage throughout the country, it was passed. It was really a very progressive step taken by the Canadian government. So when I compare both the countries from the legislative and judicial perspective, then I can clearly say that both the countries during the colonial times, homosexuality was considered as an illegal act. But with the passage of time, Canada became the fourth country in the world to have legalized same-sex marriage in 2005 and the first country in the world to allow gay and lesbian marriages on the territory for the people coming from abroad. But at the same time, if we compare LGBTQ community in India, they were not even getting the basic human rights at par with the heterosexuals. So in my research, I'll set a blueprint for Indian legislation by learning lessons 
from Canada and implement such progressive initiatives under Indian laws. So for me, having a background in sexuality studies, it helped me to develop like strong critical thinking and I can also say that think creatively about potential solutions to a problem. Herein I get to know about the concept of intersectionality, which is very important when we were understanding or we, we are trying to understand feminism. And some of you might be thinking that what is this word intersectionality? So briefly, intersectionality helps to investigate the intersection of sexuality and gender, religion, age, class, race, and some sort of other social concepts that help to determine who we are in the society, where we belong in the society, and what we want to be in the society. And most importantly, as a gender feminist scholar, through the lenses of intersectionality, I commit myself to gender justice and equality. Yes, I truly am. Thank you for clarifying intersectionality. I think it's a word that we toss around a lot, especially in academic circles. Um, and it's one that people hear a lot, but people aren't necessarily very clear on what it means. So I really appreciate you um, right. clarifying that for everyone. Thank you. And I love that you're combining sort of sexuality studies as an academic pursuit with law, because I think that's so important that, you know, we can think of sexuality as often such a private, such an independent thing, but really it, it affects a, a lot of different areas of our life. Um, and for some of us, that in a big way, it benefits us, often if you're straight, um, and can very much be a disadvantage if you're not. And I think that's really amazing that you've been able to sort of combine these academic disciplines. It, now, have you found that the pandemic has affected your work very much or even what you've been studying? Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, indeed, this COVID pandemic has severely, I can say, have impacted my research work as I've planned. Earlier, I thought that I'll be doing research on the Canadian part during my stay at York as a visiting scholar but that wasn't possible because of the whole pandemic situation. I wasn't able to hold my position in person, and right now I'm holding my position virtually. But whatever the situation was, I must say that Center for Feminist Research has always provided me all the support and assistance that I require for my research. And Professor Amar Wahab, he was my research supervisor, he has guided me throughout and I'm really very thankful to him. Fantastic, thank you. Do you have any recommendations for people who'd like to get involved in similar work to you? Okay, the, the researchers who are currently working on the projects related to gender and sexuality studies, firstly, I'd like to appreciate their research work and that they are really voicing the rights of LGBT community to which, and the, they're voicing the rights of LGBT community to which they are entitled to, and they're not right now at getting at par with the heterosexuals. And through their work, and ultimately as a researchers in gender and sexuality studies, we all aim to bring a change and equality in the society. And we all aim that this change and equality 
remains in the society where all the individuals are being treated equal irrespective of the gender to which they belong and we all researchers can together bring this change in the society and my advice to the scholars who are working on gender and sexuality studies or who would like to work or get involved in it in future is that they should formulate a clear cut idea on three questions number one is what they want to do in a research secondly why they want to do a research and thirdly how they want to do a research and to answer my first question like why they want to do this research to answer this i am talking about the contribution that you'd like to make to the body of knowledge and in what way you are contributing the second question like what they want to do in the research in this i am mentioning that there should be a clear cut understanding on the aspects which you are focusing on like whether you are focusing on a human rights perspective or you are focusing on employment rights or even the family rights discrimination faced by the lgbt community or the legal judicial decisions or you are focusing on the government policies related to the feminism there should be a clear cut goal or understanding on what you are focusing on another and the last question i'd say that how they want to do this research in this i'm saying that what methods you are adopting in this research whether it is a qualitative method or you are using some sort of narrative research or some other methods it all depends upon your area of research what you are undertaking so yeah just keep focused and compile the information continue reading and also try to ask questions and have a determination in mind so these points and the question that i have mentioned they are really going to be helpful for the researchers who are working on gender and sexuality studies and those who would like to get involved in it in future right i think people will find that very helpful thank you say so, yeah i've been trying to explore the solutions to end the discrimination and oppression faced by the lgbt community in the society and i know that considerable amount of research has been done by different scholars but there are two things that i'd like to admire here and that's really kind of stuck with me first is the book named same sex love in india a literary history it's readings from literature and history this book is by ruth vanita and salim kedwai this book narrates same sex love throughout indian literature from ancient time to present day using characters from mythology epics poems stories and letters to depict their love and because of the shifting socio cultural landscape this book is really very significant and in addition i'd also say that this book has the potential to serve and act as a model for lgbt right activism the second thing is the words of justice indu malotra in the landmark judgment of navdeep singh johar versus union of india this is the judgment where the homosexuality was decriminalized in india in this judgment justice indu malotra she said that history owes an apology to the lgbtq plus community for the denial of rights and oppression 
and future owes a responsibility to guarantee them social inclusion and justice. So from these words, I can clearly say that social equality, it's the only basis of human happiness. And any form of discrimination against LGBT community in the modern era, it is condemnable. The sensitization of society towards this community is very important to uplift their position in the society. And elimination of the discrimination against homosexual, it will not only benefit them, rather it will benefit the entire nation, socially and economically. So these were the two things that I've learned and have actually kind of stuck with me. Right. And did you find these books um, through your own research? Did someone recommend them to you? How do you find these resources? I found it on, like, I found it through Google research. I did it. Right. A very useful. Yeah. I searched on Google and this is the book which was recommended, I'd say, by many scholars who were working on gender and sexuality studies. And I, I guess I thought, why not go for this? And I really found it very insightful. That's why. It's kind of stuck with me. Right. Why do you think it's important to study sexuality in the social world? Yeah, as I've mentioned that we all are researchers in gender and sexuality studies and we all aim to bring a change and equality in the society. And together we can bring this change in the society. There are numerous approaches to promote equality without individuals like you and me doing our part to improve the world. Change won't take place. It involves so many things from eliminating the barriers to introducing a new law or even amending the existing law to ensure equality. There is so much work to do and there is still a long way to go. But we all, we all researchers, we together can do this. And we can definitely, I can say, bring a change in the society. I love that. That's so inspiring. Well, if you were talking to someone who is considering going into sexuality studies, um, maybe doing even the sexuality studies undergrad program at York, what would you tell them? So the students who are wanted to join the sexuality studies, program at York or currently they are doing it, I would say that being a part of sexuality studies program, it, it educates students on so many ongoing issues. I would say to be specifically so many ongoing social issues and history behind them. So my advice to them is that, that they should have a clear goal in mind as early in the career as possible, in which they should decide what to do in your career, what do you want, as soon as possible, you should decide your goal. Second important thing is, it's very important that you should do well in your classes and keep your GPA as high as, high as possible. And it will re be really very helpful for you in long run. And another important thing is, you should take advantage of internships or any volunteer opportunities, or if there is any undergrad research, you should always be a part of some undergraduate research going on in the department. That will be really very helpful for you. Last important thing I would say is that you should continue doing participate 
in the co-curricular activities, being a part of a student organization, they are also being encouraged to read more about the student groups associated with sexuality studies, as well as, well as those that complement your other interests. So you can be a part of that. That will be really very helpful. So these are my suggestions, or I say my advice to the students who wanted to join the sexuality studies program at York. I completely agree. I think there's a lot of really fantastic professors and a lot of really amazing TAs who are associated with the sexuality program. And if you can get to know them and get to know what they're working on, um, you're setting yourself up for success. Yes, definitely. Is there something you've learned from sexuality and sexuality studies that you use every day? Okay, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. As a gender and feminist scholar, I would say starting from my home. I'm surrounded by women around me, to mention my mother and my sister. They both have a crucial role to play in my studies. And while I was looking to formulate my own research perspective, I discuss my research with them. And that discussion is essentially really very helpful to me to broaden the horizons of my knowledge. So I can say that we all are surrounded by strong, caring, and passionate women, and they all have a role to play. And as a researcher in gender and sexuality studies, it in itself signifies that we all are committing ourselves to gender justice and equality, and also committed to ending inequalities in all areas of human life. So this is sort of thing that I use every day. Having, being a student of sexuality studies. Yeah. Right. I, I know. I think that's beautiful in that we're, there's lots of strong women all around us and we can all contribute in some way. Yeah, definitely. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share or emphasize before we conclude about your work, about sexuality, about law, anything at all? I just want to mention that the scholars who are currently working on gender and sexuality studies or those those who would like to get work on it is that just be involved and get associated with the like-minded individuals who share same research interest as yours and that's how you can gain your own perspective if you haven't gained yet and if you have your own perspective you can improvise that through discussion and exchange of ideas. So this is the thing that I'd like to emphasize upon. Yeah. All right. Well, where can people go to find out more about you or to learn more about your work or your research? You can check out my published research work, teaching, and my working articles on my website. I'll share the link of my website or you can reach out to me through email. I have also mentioned it on my website. And definitely, I encourage people to connect because it is so crucial. While we wanted to discuss our research ideas, we wanted to have some exchange of ideas with each other. And also in the light of pandemic, it has also made us acknowledge that how fortunate we are that we are still able to connect we are still able to do the discussions with each other and exchange ideas with each other so 
if you want to reach out, just feel free to contact me anytime. I'll be really, very happy to talk. Well, thank you. I'm sure everyone would appreciate your openness with that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I think that's all my questions for today, Lovepreet. It's been an honor talking to you. Thank you so much, Helen. I've had a great experience here today. And I really think that your questions are insightful and fantastic. Thank you for inviting me here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sexuality Studies Spotlight. This podcast was made possible through support from the York University Sexuality Studies Program, Innovation York's Knowledge Mobilization Unit, and the Media Creation Lab at Scott Library. We would also like to thank all of our hosts and guests for sharing their stories with us. This podcast was produced on the traditional territory of many Indigenous nations, and we invite our audience to visit nativeland.ca to learn more about the land where they're listening. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us in the next episode.